Welcome and thank you for joining Something New, a musical theater podcast where I, Joel B. New, invite an exceedingly talented friend over. We chat a bit and then we learn and record a song from one of my latest projects, which we end up premiering right here for your listening pleasure. Today's guest artist is an actor, writer, producer, and voiceover artist. He has worked extensively with the New Harmony Project, appeared on several web series of note, and perhaps most notably, he makes up one-third of the creators of Three Day Hangover, a New York City theater company that produces fresh, unexpected, immersive, joyful productions of classic plays in bars. On the verge of its second season, Three Day Hangover's raucous past season included R&J, Star-Crossed, Deathmatch, and The Hamlet Project, in which he played the titular role to sold-out crowds and rave reviews in the New York Post, Broadway World, and the New York Times. Obviously, I am talking about David Hudson. David Hudson, thanks for being on my show. Hello, thank you, Joel. <laughs> um, this is a this is another Skype episode, very special. Um, and tell 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 the listeners where you're calling in from. I am calling in from right now Evansville, Indiana. Okay. Uh, on my way out to New Harmony, Indiana, for uh, another wonderful two weeks in the utopian paradise of the New Harmony Project. Oh. I've only heard good things, and you've, oh, you've been gosh. doing this a couple of years now, right? Yeah, actually, I was. Uh, I think this is my eighth year, so uh, I've been coming since uh, since I was a student at the University of Evansville uh, as an intern, and I have worked my way into uh, you know a full time equity actor. So it's uh, it's been pretty wonderful. It's a, it's a magical place, magical place. Oh, they're, they're stuck with you now. Yes, <laughs> they can't get rid of me. <laughs> So we're already kind of talking about your history. So are are you, where are you from? Like, what's your story? I grew up in Texas, uh, in Plano, Texas, just okay. north of Dallas. Yeah, and um, you know, I moved around a lot when I was a little kid. My my dad worked for the Southland Corporation, Seven uh, Eleven, okay. and um, so we he was a you know regional manager, and we ended up living on the East Coast for a while, and we lived in California for a bit, and then we finally settled in Texas when I was about ten. Um, and so I kind of grew up there and, um, got into all kinds of trouble. (laughs) Um, I can't imagine. I, I was a a troublemaker. Um, (laughs) like you were just like starting fights on the playgrounds, like where you, you know, know, I rumbles and sorts. Well, the thing is, is in in Texas, there's not much to do because it's pretty flat and, Mm -hmm. uh, and boring and hot. Uh, so, you know, we did silly things. We would steal shopping carts from Walmart and go put them on people's doorsteps and record it. We thought it was so hilarious. Um, now looking back at it, it was really dumb. <laughs> we do stuff like that and the, you know, traditional toilet papering. I, uh-huh. we got <laughs> my, uh, my senior year of high school, we got, um, we got in trouble with the police because we went over during rivalry rivalry week. You know, Texas is big, big uh, high school football, mm. um, and we had a crosstown rival. I went to Plano West Senior High School, and we played Plano Senior High School in uh, in football. And we went over the night before the big game, and like just put stuff all over the campus. We didn't break anything, but we put up these big signs, and we wrote all over the you know the windows and like. Uh, marker and stuff, and oh. we forked the big lawn with all of these wolf paws because that was our mascot. 
And before we could leave, uh, the police showed up and <laughs> made for an interesting phone call to the parents wow. saying, eh, sorry. <laughs> David Hudson, were you, were you on the football team? I wasn't on the football team, no. I was uh, actually, I was on the drill team guard. I was, uh, <laughs> this story gets cooler by the minute. You know, something like that. <laughs> I don't know if, what, what your definition of cool is, but... It's, yeah. pre- it's, it's pretty specific. Yes. <laughs> we did, um, we did, uh, yeah, Drill Team Guard was like the pep rally people. We like, you know, led the skits and stuff at the pep rally and made people laugh and performed for them and then we went to the game and cheered everybody on it was it was a lot of fun we had a you know i had a good time i had a good high school experience and is that where you started to get the bug to perform did did they have a good musical theater program at your high school or yeah they had a very good um you know texas theater actually is is really strong because there's a lot of money in in texas in the sports programs and they have rules in place that uh, moved some of that over to the fine arts, and so uh, the fine arts are very well supported uh, at the high school level in in Texas. Wow! Um, yeah, it's really nice. Um, I actually started um, in eighth grade uh, because I didn't make the basketball team. <laughs> which, <laughs> if you uh, have ever met me, you might know that that is shocking because I am you are a tall, of a... tall drink of water, my friend. Yes. And I was tall back in the day. <laughs> um, but I hated running, so <laughs> that's kind of a big part of basketball. I would say, yeah, yeah, there really isn't not, a not sedentary like, position. Yeah, so I uh, I didn't make the basketball team, and uh, a friend of mine was had had done the school play the year before, and he said, oh, you should come out and try out, and they were doing the Wizard of Oz. I think we're all, I mean, you know, I, I don't want to poo-poo on your basketball career, but I think we're all better off. Um, <laughs> I uh, I agree with you. Okay, good. <laughs> well, I agree that I'm better off with the two, and I, I think that uh, my basketball career would have ended very quickly because, in addition to not liking running, I was also a terrible shot. So that kind of uh, you know wouldn't have panned out very well for me. You started doing musical theater in high school. When when and how did your interest in like just classic straight up plays uh, come into your life? Yeah, when I was uh, looking at colleges and and trying to decide what I wanted to do, I you know I auditioned for some musical theater programs, and I auditioned for some um, just you know acting programs, uh, BFA acting programs, both. Um, and I kind of decided through that that I wanted to. I thought that I could go anywhere and work with a voice teacher and sing and and stay up on that but I didn't think that I could go to some places and really get that solid acting uh, training that I wanted to get to mm-hmm. be able to kind of you know have career longevity um, and be able to work not only as a young uh, you know young person or young leading man but also as as things progressed and I got older and uh, you know, changed into a character actor. Um, I is that how would you? Def- is that how you define yourself? Uh, you know, it's really funny. I it certainly look like uh, you know young leading man, um, but I love the character roles. Those are the meaty ones. I love playing messy, ugly, <laughs> like um, you know the character. The character roles always have the meat. Mm-hmm. And um, I feel like those are the ones that I excel at, too, are the ones where you kind of get to dive into something and really become something totally opposite from yourself. 
Um, and I really enjoy that, and it's uh, it's a lot of fun. I'm trying to, you know, incorporate all of those things into the roles that I am playing. <laughs> um, That's but, well, I thought you were great in the Hamlet Project. Well, thank you, thank you. It yeah. was fun. That was a, a fantastic experience. I really, really enjoyed getting to do that, and I I could play that part forever. I think it's a uh, it's a grit. It's the best ever written. I would say the Hamlet Project. That was a that was a separate known entity before it transitioned into three day hang- hangover. Is that correct? Yes. The um, some friends of ours from uh, grad school. I went to the uh, UC Irvine in Southern California. Um, Beth Lopes and Jesse Sharp um, created this. They did the cut of the script and created this drinking game version of Hamlet that is the Hamlet Project. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the beginning of last year, um, Beth Gardner uh, and Lori Hudson, my wife, and I, yes, um, the three of us kind of were, uh, you know, shooting some ideas around of some things to, to do. And, and we said, you know, we got this bar in Brooklyn um, that wants to do something with us. Why don't we see if we can do the Hamlet Project um, out here? And so we got in touch with them and, and uh, they let us you know, have the script, and we worked on it for a little while, and we played it at the Exley Bar in Brooklyn, mm-hmm. um, and it kind of blew up a little bit, you know. We could only fit 20 people per show into the Exley. Yeah. Um, but we sold it out both nights that we did it, and people loved it, and uh, we decided to uh, bring it back at the end of the summer in Midtown at uh, Harley's Smoke Shack. It was Harley's at the time. Um, and... Yeah, it was an amazing, amazing experience, and you know we we love them for letting us uh, do that because it really kind of spawned us into uh, you know these other ideas and these other projects that we're now working on um, as Three Day Hangover. When did it become your intention to to expand it this way? Well, we knew going into uh, the fall of last year that we wanted to run two shows. Um, so a friend of ours, Ben Charles, uh, had approached us about doing a similar adaptation of Romeo and Juliet. Mm-hmm. Um, and so our original intention was to run the Hamlet project in rep with Romeo and Juliet. Oh, uh, wow. Yeah, so we were going to run the month of August with Hamlet, the month of September with... Romeo and Juliet, October with Hamlet, and November with Romeo and Juliet. Um, we quickly realized um, after <laughs> the initial weekend uh, that there was no way that we were going to be able to do that um, just because it, it kind of, you know, we got a great review in the Times and we got a great review in the Post and, um, you know, our ticket sales rocketed overnight from, you know, 20 tickets, 25 tickets a show to over 50 per show and um it was it was amazing but it also was very clear that we needed to kind of rethink our our uh layout yeah um so we knew that we were going to do those two and then you know the success of of hamlet tailed right into um an extraordinarily successful run of romeo and juliet yeah um and in the middle of that we kind of talked about Beth and Lori and I got together and talked about our ideas and what what it is that we wanted to do and we said, you know what, let's let's make this thing happen. We got a lot of momentum right now and and let's do let's do a season. Let's do three plays and um it was kind of an arbitrary, you know, three plays, three day hangover and um hey. we 
we went with it. And, you know, Beth was really interested in doing an adaptation of Twelfth Night, and Lori was very interested in doing uh, her adaptation of Uncle Vanya, mm-hmm. which would be our first non-Shakespeare. I know. Um, I'm very excited. Thrilling. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, and then we, you know, kind of talked about how we could push the envelope and, and do something new, and we came up with the idea of uh, doing a mashup of, of some Shakespeare plays into one uh, and kind of creating um, a new Shakespearean experience or a Shakespeareance, if you will. So um, I will. Yes, it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be a lot of fun though. Twelfth night rehearsals started this past week, and uh, we have a brilliant cast. Um, absolutely amazing. Uh, the the initial read through was incredible. Yeah. Um, and the big twist on Twelfth Night is that we're incorporating karaoke into it i read that but not just any old karaoke karaoke with a live band um we have uh, an amazing brilliant. band yeah rockstar karaoke nyc and they're mm-hmm. consistently named one of the best uh karaoke bands in in new york by Time Out and gothamist and all those places and uh they're joining us for this wild ride and we're going to have some fun. It's going to be amazing. We, uh, we're very excited about it. We're playing at McGee's Pub, um, which is the How I Met Your Mother bar. Um, Aww. Yeah. And uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. We're, uh, we're pumped. We're pumped. I'm really excited. We talked a little bit about Lori and Beth. Can you talk to me a little bit more about uh, your collaboration with them? Yeah. Um, well, you know, Lori is, is the easy one because she's my <laughs> wife, so we're together 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Uh-huh. Um, it's actually really interesting because we, um, we had a, not a great experience working together on a Fringe show a couple years ago, and we kind of decided, you know, we're going to just, we're going to stay separate. We're going to do our separate thing. Mm-hmm. That can be really hard. Yeah, she's directing, I'm going to act, and we're just going to keep it separate. Um, but then, you know, we started working together producing, and then she directed me in Romeo and Juliet, and it's been amazing, actually. You know, it's really a, a lot of fun to work together, and um, we have a lot of similar, you know, ideas about things, which is nice. Um, but we also are able to talk to each other openly and honestly about, uh, you know, where we disagree. Uh, and Beth is the perfect uh person to kind of get in the, in between that sometimes and and get in the middle and and we work really well together um all three of us uh and we bring a lot of different talents to the table i think um and uh, bring a lot of our own personalities kind of forward in the work that we're doing mm-hmm. and not only with producing but creating um because that's kind of the the hardest thing i would say with this uh style uh, of bar theater um, is kind of is creating it and, and finding people that you trust and finding people that uh, that get it because it's a it's a very delicate thing yeah uh, and we're trying to not just be like the slapsticky silly um, group that does theater in a bar we want to be the serious group that does theater in a bar we we take storytelling very seriously and we want to honor these scripts, but we want to do it in a way that we think is accessible to people and, and in a way that uh, Shakespeare himself or Chekhov himself would have approved of. The biggest response that we got from from Hamlet was 
how much fun it was, at, but also how understandable the story was, how, how much people really got it. Uh, and for my money, the reason that, that people got it was because we broke down all of the traditional um, theatrical elements. We broke down the fourth wall. All of the soliloquies, all of the scenes happened in the middle of the people, you know, two feet away from them. Yeah. Oftentimes, um, as Hamlet, I was directing, you know, famous soliloquies directly to audience members. Um, and I think that's an experience that people have never had before or no. have it hasn't been you know to the level um of actually doing the script because they you know they go to sleep no more where it's you're masked and there's no talking or or um you know anything like that we we really like stayed true to the play um but made it very accessible and, and forward you know i think and i think all three of us agree that um bars are a safe space for people Right, I mean, like, <laughs> you go to bars to hang out. You go to bars to have fun. Um, you go you go to bars to let your hair down and forget about your day and forget about all the trouble you're having at work and forget about all the trouble you're having in your personal life. And you, you know, go and and for a couple of hours uh, have a lot of fun. What does that sound like? <laughs> <laughs> Theater, right? I yes, mean, it's, absolutely. That's the ex- exact same thing. That's what you want to be doing. That's what we want to be doing. We want to go to the theater. Uh, to forget about what, what 's happening in our life, we want to go to the theater and enjoy ourselves and be entertained and and be moved and feel all of the feelings um, and I think that that 's it 's made so much more accessible and so much easier uh, when you do that in a place that people already have no preconceived notions about what they 're getting into for me for my money like theater and and art is supposed to be entertaining at, at the basest level yep. um, you can add all of that stuff on top of it you can adjust and change accordingly but um, at at the base level it's supposed to be entertaining and you're supposed to go and and enjoy yourself and I think that you know the bar lends itself to that um, absolutely yeah and that's you know that's kind of why we've decided to stick with that route and you know, the Hamlet Project was very different in the sense that it was a very specific drinking game. Mm-hmm. Um, you drank on specific words, and there were tones and bells and whistles and things that, that guided you throughout that. Mm-hmm. Very interactive. Uh, yeah, and Romeo and Juliet got a little bit away from that um, specific model, and, and we played Flip Cup, and mm-hmm. um, we did have the you know drinking cue whenever Montague and Capulet said, um, but we didn't really get as far into the drinking game. It was much more about the interactive or immersive experience of kind of being a Montague or being a Capulet and what that meant and how that made you feel. And Twelfth Night, I think, is going to be in that same vein as Romeo and Juliet, that, you know, you walk into this this nightclub, this cabaret um, that is hosted by Sir Toby Belch, and the band is playing, and um, it's basically, you know, what would happen if Twelfth Night took place in real time in two hours in a bar in New York City. Now, you've performed, hosted, and you produced this thing. Mm-hmm. Can you talk to me about how those three roles complement each other, and, or if they don't at all? Because you, you were Hamlet, and then yep. with R&J, um, I just picked the word host. Do you have a more appropriate... Yeah, that w- I mean, the, the character's title was the Flipmaster, but there it was... was yeah, there it was. The I knew flips. there was a fancier title. <laughs> um, yeah, it's so... 
interesting because it really is for me personally um it exercises like all the different parts of me that i in, like enjoy it's and it and it kind of keeps me fresh i love performing i've i've loved performing for many many years now um and like i said i could play hamlet forever uh because it's such a fun role yeah um but then you know getting to do the other stuff as well getting to host and kind of be integral to the um the creation of of the piece of romeo and juliet um and then guiding the audience was an amazing experience because it really you become like everybody's best friend mm-hmm. um, and that was what i loved about that show was you know you meet people right when they come up the stairs and you're there to kind of guide them and lead them through it and in a way experience it with them Hmm. i said this to uh the cast all the time that you know i watched that show every night uh throughout rehearsal and throughout all of the shows i watched it every night because i was you know kind of on the outside looking in for a lot of it um and every single night i found something new that i really enjoyed about it um and i think that was amazing to kind of see as a creator and see as an actor kind of you know you very rarely get that chance to remove yourself from it mm-hmm. um and so that was really incredible and and then the producing part of it is um, cuz you must be wearing that hat the whole time yeah you are definitely you're constantly worried about you know the the things that need to happen you know can you sell the tickets are you getting the reviews um where's the money coming from mm-hmm, all mm-hmm. those things. money 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 yeah um but the you know the nice thing about working with two other amazing people is that you can step away from it when you need to step away from it um and you can say like i can't deal with the producer stuff cuz i got to focus on being an actor or i have to focus on hosting uh or i have to you know focus on being the director for Lori and Beth and mm-hmm. Um, the the producer stuff is is amazing. What I found to be so amazing is that it's not. It's very difficult, but it's at the same time equally not difficult. Um, it's been an amazing experience to self produce, and I recommend it to everyone. Yeah, um, definitely a rite of passage. I think. Yeah, it it absolutely is, and it and it changes the way that you look at things, and it changes your whole uh, persona. You know, I I was kind of in a stale, you know, stagnant place uh, last year. And then we self-produced Hamlet, and I ended up signing with a manager, and I ended up booking two shows, and, you know, going in for all of these meetings and auditions, you have something to talk about. Mm-hmm. People have heard about what you're doing. Yep. Um, that's the, the funny thing, is that this business is so small that, you know, the the cool stuff does get passed around and so they're like oh i heard i read the times article about that or i read i saw you in the post and that's crazy that's insane (laughs) (laughs) you're bernie telsey (laughs) i don't it wasn't actually bernie telsey but (laughs) but might as well have been my gosh you could have said it was bernie telsey yeah i could i could have gotten away with it (laughs) (laughs) i appreciate your honesty yes the stories of hamlet and romeo and julia are both pretty much in everyone's vernacular i would say is is familiarity an important factor in when you when you were going through and choosing your rep? Yeah, I think we're going to find out. <laughs> um, <laughs> we think it is. You know, I. You know, one of the things that we've kind of really pushed this year, or we were talking about during our Kickstarter campaign that we just finished, is um, 
you know, plays that you thought you knew made new. Mm. Um, and I think that, yeah, absolutely, people have very specific ideas of what Hamlet is or what Romeo and Juliet is. And, and a lot of people have a very specific, uh, specific idea of what Twelfth Night is. Um, Vanya's a wild card. I uh, I think a lot of people love Chekhov, so that's going to be a, a a bonus. But even as someone who loves Chekhov and who is married to a self-proclaimed Chekhov head, like she loves Chekhov, <laughs> um, I couldn't remember the story of Uncle Vanya. Um, in fact, I just was reading it on the plane uh, when we were flying here to refresh and you know help work on the cut and everything. Yeah. So I'm really interested to see how people respond to that. You know, in my heart of hearts, I believe that it's about the successful storytelling in front of you, mm-hmm. not about the preconceived notions that you bring to it. Yeah. Um, but we'll see. We'll see how that transitions and, and what people think. Music has already played a pretty vital part in three-day hangover productions, I would say. And um, looks like its presence has been expanding quite a bit in the new season and whatnot. Uh, with, with all the gl- gorgeous Phil Pickens songs that I heard at the benefit, yes. Um, like, is that is is that in part your musical theater influence shining through? Yeah, I think so. I think that it's uh, the appreciation. You know, the all of the Phil Pickens music from Beyond Measure at the benefit um, was all of that was written and created by Phil, Laurie, and Rafe Baker. Um, so Laurie brought that to the table. Um, Those are some sexy songs. Oh my gosh! Right? I yeah. mean, and you know, to be honest, that's one of the goals is is next year to be able to produce that musical because it's um, uh, you know an amazing adaptation of of Measure for Measure, mm-hmm. um, and that man knows how to write. Yes, he does. Yes, he <laughs> so does. He's uh, he's got some good stuff, and I think absolutely that the. All three of us uh, very much enjoy music and very much enjoy musical theater and are very interested in finding ways to incorporate that into all of the shows. I mean, I'm, I, you saw it in Romeo and Juliet. You're going to mm-hmm. see it in Twelfth Night. Um, you have a that, band for quite We have a life. band in Twelfth Night, yeah. That it's, uh, it's a very important part of storytelling, I think. And it music is another universal truth, right? It's... Mm-hmm. Uh, People people understand it, and even if they don't understand what you're saying, or even if they don't follow the language, they can feel the music. Uh, last season was I keep you know I just keep singing the praises of last season, um, but it was it was also just very very funny, and like I laughed genuinely throughout both pieces. <laughs> Um, though neither of the original plays are necessarily labeled as a comedy. So I was just curious about, uh, I was hoping you could talk a little bit about faithfulness in story and spirit, but not necessarily tone, mm-hmm. um, and how you've miraculously been able to find that balance. Yeah. Well, the, the thing that I would argue is that all of Shakespeare's plays are comedies. They're all funny. Uh, even the tragedies, even the histories... They have elements of, of comedy in them. They have comedic characters that play pivotal roles in, in all of them. Um, and I think that that harkens back to, the, to his time period. Mm-hmm. You know, um, Shakespeare's plays weren't these reverent, um, 
you know, pieces of literature that they've become today, they were the form of entertainment. Um, and the primary form of entertainment that they were competing against was bear baiting. Um, you know, so you think about, like, a dog and a bear fighting in a ring and Shakespeare's plays, and it was the same people going to both of them. So you have to have this overlap. You have to have this kind of... Um, messy comedic quality to all of the plays you know it's why there are so many you know dick jokes in shakespeare <laughs> because he understood that he had to play to his audience in a, in a way and play to the groundlings who were uh down in the front row and if they didn't like something they were going to let you know they didn't like it mm-hmm. um it's it's actually a really funny story i was um we were in london last year uh, and we went to the Globe, and we saw a production of The Tempest at The Globe, uh, and we stood right down in front and got there early, and we got our, like, five-pound groundling tickets, and we're leaning on the stage, and they were doing The Tempest, and the groundlings, uh, you know, the down low was was all just packed with people, and there were a lot of students there. It was a bunch of high school students, um, and some of them were being a little obnoxious, mm-hmm. and the actor playing Caliban at one point had was over on the side of the stage doing a, a speech, and there was a kid who was on his phone or something. And the actor playing Caliban lo- stopped, looked at him, and smacked him on the top of the head as hard as he could. <laughs> Everyone, like, riotous applause and laughter and cheers. And oh the kid put his phone away, and he went right back into the play. And I thought that was so telling of what happened in that time period Mm -hmm. Um, you know the actors had to stand up for themselves and they had to assert their uh their value and like i said before i I think it's all about entertainment Mm -hmm. um so while i do think that we took some liberties with um some of the more serious scenes and you know threw in some new york references or some four-letter words that (laughs) uh maybe weren't there before i think that we stayed more true to the you know the groundlings perspective or that original intention of the entertainment value than um yeah than not one of the big things i think that i loved about both of the plays particularly about romeo and juliet was the the moments of levity balanced with those dramatic moments and you know the the laughter and the comedy and the unexpected comedy mm-hmm. uh, it really lets the audience breathe i think um and then you can kind of wow them at the same time with you know these two magnificent actors playing Romeo and Juliet mm-hmm. um, giving these heart-wrenching heartbreaking scenes and when you balance those together um or against each other it, it's uh absolutely incredible i think i think that you really find things in the play that um that i don't know are if they're always found or if the experience for the audience is always as visceral as as it was in that show well there's definitely something about being on your feet as an audience member and being forced to move around and i i feel like that is very um of the moment right now in, in theater and it's it's super exciting even though the old man in me is like what there's time i don't get to sit and and you know but but i really don't mind and it's it's been really exciting especially with romeo and juliet to 
find myself leaning in even more uh, because you don't know what line you're going to get next, even if you yeah. know Romeo and Juliet by heart. You you don't know because they're also pretty truncated. Mm-hmm. Um, so you, you don't know how fast the evening is going to move and you don't know if the next line is going to be from the source or if it's going to be um, a, a contemporary reference yeah. and so you're just you're leaning in all the more and it's very exciting i assume there must have been at some point because you know there there is alcohol involved uh and and a mob if you will mm-hmm. so alcohol plus mob that's gotta equal some some kind of casualty at some point or other Are, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> can you tell can you tell me any any funny horror stories you know we actually were i think pretty you have the occasional people who just, you know, want to talk. We branched out into kind of a, a audience base in Romeo and Juliet that was not our circle of people mm-hmm. um, because they had heard about, you know, the company or the shows. And so we ended up getting a lot of um, people in who we didn't know and who weren't necessarily theater people because they had heard, oh, you got to go see the show. You know, it's in a bar, and you run around and play flip cup and get mm-hmm. drunk. And, <laughs> you know, that... Which is all true. It's all true. Um, there also is a play happening at the same yes, time. Yes, by the way. Yeah, so there were definitely times... You know, the nice thing about Romeo and Juliet was that, as the host, um, I was usually the largest person in the room. Uh, so I could just walk up and kind of tap people on the shoulder, and they would stop talking... Um, we did have one night where the some idiot like threw a lime at somebody at one of the cast members, <laughs> oh, um, and Joel Rainwater, who was playing the nurse, um, He's great. just went off on the guy in character. Like I, it was really funny. Was and he in the nurse garb? He was in the nurse garb. Oh, and he was God doing bless. The scene. It was the scene right after the, you know, I'll make love to you scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, our boys to men scene, as, as we like to call it. <laughs> um, and so he's, like, having this moment with Romeo and Juliet, and this guy threw a lime, and Joel, in character, like, without missing a beat, just started going off on the guy and called him, like, a bridge and tunnel motherfucker. <laughs> like... <laughs> Oh my god! I thought it was hilarious. Um, the audience was a little taken aback by it, I think. Um, but we had, you know, we had lots of of those. There was one night, there, and there are pictures. It actually was the night that um, they were taking photos. Um, there was some girl who was just hammered, and Juliet and Romeo are having the the scene, the banished scene, where they find out that that Romeo was banished and. She was, like, sitting on the table behind Juliet and was, like, so into it. The most into it I've ever seen anyone because she was really drunk. And poor Susie Hunt turned around and almost lost it in this really emotional moment because the girl was sitting there with her mask on from the party and her sloppy drink, like, (laughs) falling over. Um, It was a a lot of that, I think. Okay. A lot lot of that stuff. (laughs) As I'm sure you know, it was Shakespeare's 405th birthday last month. That's what I was told. 450. 450? Yeah. Good, good, good. 450. He looks great. Yeah, great, absolutely. Yeah, not a day... Not a day over (laughs) 400. (laughs) Um, So with that in mind, I went to 
bbc.com and found a test your William Shakespeare knowledge quiz. Are you a Shakespeareophile? I am somewhat of a Shakespeareophile. <laughs> I know a little bit. Okay, all right. Um, these seem these seem pretty straightforward, but uh, but no okay. pressure. All right, there's there's eight of them. Question one. Are you ready? Yep. And you don't and and you don't. There's no there's no losers here today. <laughs> 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 I like to preface with that. Uh, William... Just lay, lay it out there at the beginning. <laughs> que- uh, question one. William Shakespeare was born in 1564, but where? London, Sheffield, or Stratford-upon-Avon? Stratford-upon-Avon. Correct! Very nice. Yay! Yay! <laughs> <laughs> so far, so good. Question two. Um, oh, it's a little picture. You can't see it. Uh, this. So this will be really helpful. This was the house of William Shakespeare's <laughs> wife in Stratford-upon-Avon. A famous Hollywood actress has the same name as she did. Which one? Anne Hathaway, Emma Thompson, or Sandra Bullock? <laughs> as much as I would love it to be Don't Sandra to be Bullock, Sandra that would be awesome. <laughs> That would be awesome. <laughs> Gravity, starring William Shakespeare. Um, I'm going to go with Anne Hathaway. Oh, that sounds right to me. Correct! They had three yes. children. <laughs> Learning so much. All right. Ooh, this is weird. Um, oh, I should also say that I never really vet these quizzes. Ever. <laughs> <laughs> Flying by the seat of your pants. That's right. That's right. All right. Oh, this is silly. All right. Dra- <laughs> All right, so they're going to give you three words. All right, um, so this this is the the title of a famous Shakespeare play, and there are three words, and one of them is the correct answer to fill in the blank. Much ado about blank. Everything, nothing, something. <laughs> I wish it was much ado about something, but it is much ado about nothing. We will pick it. Correct. <laughs> Yes. Yes. Question four. Which Shakespeare play does the famous line to be or not to be come from? Macbeth, oh my gosh. Richard II, or Hamlet? And if I will judge I you. I hope I know this one. This. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with Hamlet. Very good. Final answer? Final answer. Lock it in. <laughs> yes. Very good. In Act yeah. 3. Yeah. <laughs> Question five, we're breezing through this. Uh, what are the names of the two feuding families in Romeo and Juliet? Well, these are fun. Antonio and Shylock, Montague and Capulet, Caesar and Serpent. I'm going to go with Montague and Capulet. Right. It's like this quiz new. <laughs> right? Um, I take full credit. Correct. Obviously correct. <laughs> Yes. Did you find this quiz on the Three Day Hangover website? Is that <laughs> <laughs> you'd think? And I was like, and then the next one was like, yeah. what? What? What is the name of the tall, handsome actor who played Hamlet in the <laughs> Hamlet Project, and can currently be heard on something new, the podcast? Is it yes. A. <laughs> Hank Azaria? Okay. Question six. <laughs> I don't know why I said that. Um, which Shakespeare play is the following line from? But soft what light through yonder window breaks. Othello, Titus Andronicus, Romeo and Juliet. It is the east and Juliet is the sun. Yay. Gonna go with Romeo and Juliet. Terrific. 
That is correct. Act two. Yes. Question seven. Dragon dropped the line. Dra- Dragon dropped the correct word to complete the title of this famous play. <laughs> the blank of Venice. <laughs> bride. The, the bride is this of the Venice. The Beyonce of Venice. <laughs> the musketeer of Venice. <laughs> the merchant of Venice. We'll go with The Merchant of Venice, although The Musketeer of Venice would be an awesome play. Right? Correct! Wow. Oh my gosh. Alright, this is... This from, so in high school, I have to tell you this, in high school, my uh, as part of my English class, we had to do something similar to this, where we had to fill in the blanks for the famous Romeo, oh Romeo, wherefore art thou Romeo speech. Uh-huh. And... It literally was like, Romeo, oh Romeo, wherefore art thou blank? Deny thy blank and refuse thy name. It was very, very similar. I thought you said your so high school had a good theater, theater program. <laughs> this was English. We, didn't, we okay. don't talk good in Texas. Okay, got it, got it. <laughs> All right, this is for the win. And just, just so right. let's recap. He's gotten seven out of eight correct, so if he gets the eighth one wrong, he loses. That's the end. <laughs> <laughs> um, the Globe Theatre in London. The original Globe was destroyed in 1613. What happened? It was wrecked by an earthquake. It was flooded. The roof caught on fire. The roof did indeed catch on fire. Final answer? Yeah. I don't know the answer. Yeah, I'm, I'm just baiting you. Okay. Oh. <laughs> I think so. I thought you said it, and then the train kicked in, and I was like, oh no. Correct! The thatched roof caught fire, and it was burnt to the ground. (laughs) I love that they clarified. Like, it it was burnt (laughs) just completely. Well, that was fun. Thanks for taking my little quiz. I'm I'm sorry it wasn't so... I'm sorry it wasn't very hard. No, that was plenty challenging for uh, for morning morning for, quiz taking. Th- this is a this is a morning shoot, you guys. This is this is no kidding. I got my Dunkin' Donuts right here. So now comes the time where we set up the song, and uh, David Hudson uh, asked to do Annabelle Lee, which uh, my setting of Edgar Allan poems uh, poem Ed, uh, Annabelle Lee, and I'm so glad that he did. Um, this uh, this song was from my a concert that I did at Ars Nova in 2013 called In Others' Words, which was just a whole evening of my setting various poems to music. Uh, it was it was a ton of fun, and this this song was definitely a standout of the evening, and I was, I'm very pleased and honored that David wanted to sing it. I remember when Lori came home and told me back in the day, she was like, there's this song, you gotta listen to it, you gotta hear it. And when you sent that email and I, uh, I saw that one, I said, I, I knew which one I had to do. Oh, that makes me so happy. That's- so I sent David a list of songs, um, from, uh, a very specific list of songs, uh, because in late summer or maybe the fall, I haven't decided yet, um, I'm actually going to be releasing my first uh, songbook, which is really exciting. And uh, Congratulations. Thank you, thank you. And uh, it currently is going to be uh, about 30 songs, uh, 15 guy songs, 15 girl songs, uh, and it's going to be a free digital songbook on musescore.com, uh, which I just discovered. Um, and people who, if you own the rights to your songs, you can post them on there, and people can download them for free, 
And, um, yeah, it's a really cool website. Check it out, musescore.com. And, um, yeah, so this is one of the songs I'm going to include in uh, that songbook. And um, the next couple of episodes, I've been asking my guests to, uh, to pick from those songs so that we can start uh, gaining some momentum uh, with that collection. And I'm so glad that you chose Annabelle Lee. I was like, oh, no way! Let's see, now we're going to learn the audience something. Annabelle Lee is the, and I didn't know this, uh, is the last complete poem that Edgar Allan Poe ever wrote. Um, like many of Poe's poems, it explores the theme of the death of a beautiful woman, and there has been debate over who, if anyone, was the inspiration for Annabelle Lee. And though many women have been suggested, uh, Poe's wife, Virginia Eliza Clem Poe, is one of the more credible candidates. Thank you, Wikipedia. Remember, and if you, li- uh, you the listeners, like uh, his rendition of Annabelle Lee, and you totally are going to, uh, it's available for free download on my SoundCloud page until the next episode. And if you'd like to request sheet music, you may write me at joelbnew at gmail.com for a free PDF, or you can just wait till the song bo- songbook comes out. Uh, be sure to follow me in all things social media, and you may find those links and so much more on joelbnew.com. And while you're there, feel free to click on the donate link on the podcast page, because any and all contributions go toward production costs and are supremely appreciated. Um, make sure you visit David's websites, uh, which are 3dayhangover.com and davidmhudson.com. Uh, subscribe to, rate, and review this podcast. Tell all your friends about it. Go see a three-day hangover show. When, when does Twelfth Night open? Twelfth Night opens on June 6th and runs through the 30th. Nice. And that's at McGee's, right? McGee's Pub and Restaurant on uh, 55th between Broadway and 8th. And uh, you can get tickets at 3dayhangover.com. Uh, they're 15 bucks. Special thanks today to Peyton Royal at Website Lines. Stephanie Layton at Red Scandal Graphics, Edgar Allan Poe for writing such a gorgeous and heartbreaking poem, and Skype, because we wouldn't have this episode if it weren't for Skype. (laughs) (laughs) Last but not least, David Hudson, thank you so much for being on my show. Joel, thank you. From my apartment in Inwood, this is Joel B. New. And David Hudson. Saying thank you for dropping by for something new. Many and many a year ago In a kingdom by the sea That a maiden there lived Whom you may know By the name of Annabelle Lee And this maiden She lived with no other thought Than to love and be loved by me I was a child, and she was a child, in this kingdom by the sea. But we loved with a love that was more than love, I and Annabelle Lee. With a love that the winged seraphs of heaven 
coveted her and me And this was the reason that long ago In this kingdom by the sea The wind blew out of a cloud Chilling my beautiful Annabelle Lee So that her high-born kinsmen came And bore her away from me To lock her up in a sepulcher In this kingdom by the sea The angels, not half so happy in heaven Went envying her and me Yes, that was the reason, as all men know, in this kingdom by the sea, that the wind came down from the cloud by night, chilling and killing my Annabelle And our love, it was stronger by far than the love Of those who were older than we Of many far wiser than we And neither The angels in heaven above Nor the demons down under the sea Can ever dissever my soul From the soul of the beautiful Annabelle Lee Stars never rise, but I feel the bright eyes of the beautiful Annabelle Lee. And so all the night tide I lie down by the side of my darling, my darling, my life and my bride. In the sepulcher, there by the sea, in her tomb. By the sounding sea.